0: Yeah, that yeah. song. Woo, woo. Let I don't know what the dude's talking about. This band's
1: great. <laughs> <laughs> no, he liked Creedence. He hated the Eagles. That's right. There we go. <laughs> Fucking hate the Eagles, man. <laughs> Whoa.
0: Oh, damn, man. Why did it stop? Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, that was good.
1: Yeah, oh. great credence.
0: Oh shit! I think I think my wife's listening to something on Spotify. Oh, we don't have a family account.
1: What about uh, what about on YouTube?
0: Man, I can't stand their ads. Did you know they start doing two ads per their videos now. It's crazy.
1: Well, I guess we just have to talk to each other, huh? We talked to each other already. Yeah, true. Neither of us have done anything exciting for the last four months. <laughs>
0: hey, hey, do you want to see something real scary?
1: Sure. You're gonna love this, okay? Yeah, what?
0: We're talking on here, right? Yeah. Alright, imagine we're talking on here and all of a sudden my camera goes black. Now you can't see me.
1: Um okay. But what if I came back?
0: <laughs> Except it wasn't me, it was just some weird FBI agent spying on our conversation.
1: I thought I was the one smoking weed.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hey, I know. Do you like trivia?
1: Yeah, I love trivia.
0: Do you want to play wrestling theme songs? (laughs) Sure. You know how to play? Uh, I hum a theme, and if you guess it, you get to have a go. And if I get it, it comes back to me. If you get three in a row, you win. Okay, I think I got it. Yeah, let's play. Okay, I'll start. How about this one? Bum bum ba bum 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 ba bum
1: ba bum 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 ba bum 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 <ahn pacing> <laughs> I'm the Demon Brett, King. the Hitman, Heartman. heart <laughs> man <laughs> there we go the Hitman, Heartman. heart man I'm the hitman heart man the Hitman. <laughs> right.
0: how about this one bum, bum bam bam, bam. <unfortunate> BAM! BAM!
1: BAM! BAM! What the fuck are you doing? BAM! 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 I got no idea, man.
0: Bastion Booger.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. I would never have gotten
0: that. All right, you take one. Okay.
1: Um <laughs> I just glass.
0: threw something out my window. Yeah, it's
1: yeah, something called Steve so
0: awesome. Austin. Come on, man. Yeah,
1: it's easy. all right, all
0: right. How about this right. one? Give me a hard one. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, that, is that the na 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 No, (laughs) it's it's The Loose Cannon, Brian Bellman. Oh. (laughs) Sorry, it's hard to do. In my head, it sounds right, but it's just like, I don't know. I guess it does sound
1: (laughs) like the Twilight Zone (laughs) piece. It's pretty good on.
0: Uh, Twilight Zone, what a great show. Did you ever watch it?
1: No, not really. The extent of my knowledge is, uh, you know, that scary door bit from Futurama.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's great, though. It's it's like all these spooky stuff and scary stories it used to really freak me out as a kid
1: mm. well do you want to hear something really scary yeah sure <laughs> okay are you sure bum, bum, bum
0: yeah yeah scare me bum bum, bum,
1: bum okay bum, you're, gonna, bum. you're gonna need to stop humming that theme now
0: <laughs> okay, okay okay cool cool
1: now come on scare me are you ready
0: yeah go ahead come on
1: okay There's no Brian De Palma reference in this episode.
0: No! You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Behind it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Pod Charles Cinecast. Welcome to the Pod Charles Cinecast. This is your host, Jonathan yeah. Foster. And here with me this week is the boy Wonder, lost in another dimension. It is
1: <laughs> Phil. Yeah, I hope, uh, hope we didn't. Uh... Yeah, you off there with that little, <laughs> little uh intro we did <laughs> a little fun thing <laughs> a little, little fun thing we're doing trying to move the lamp so it doesn't hit me in the face
0: yeah man that's scarier Hello. than anything that's happening in this podcast what's up phil yeah. how's it going hey, man, man.
1: What's <laughs> up? um i'm all right i'm a little worried because um i'm fat in on my bed right now because you yeah. know I'm, I'm a professional um and we woke up the other morning and the ceiling was leaking oh shit and no, we had to literally like just woke us up and we grabbed a bowl and towel, and then we had to knock on the neighbor's door and be like, dude, are you running the shower? And he's like, yeah, why? I was like, it's coming through. He's <laughs> oh like, no. oh, that's not good. I'll Should turn it be... off. <laughs> we were trying to deal with it. So I'm just hoping it doesn't fucking cave in.
0: Yeah. Oh, that would make for an interesting, you know, episode really that caved in yeah. during the recording.
1: Yeah. For you, maybe.
0: I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, it's just. Life handing you a waterbed, you know <laughs> I <don't> think a <laughs> luxury I flat here in London comes with a waterbed.
1: yeah <laughs> in the bedroom also the, the pool <laughs> um.
0: I did did you see that like photo it was, on, it was flying around Twitter. It was like something going viral it was like this uh couple would like i, I don't know if they're renovating their like living room or something like that, but then they like took up the flooring and then they noticed that there was like this piece of wood. That was over top of a space that was like shaped really weird. And they pulled it out, and it was like an old, like almost like Scarface style, like <laughs> uh, bath, like what, really, a, like really in luxury in the floor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> speaking <amazing>. of diploma, <laughs> oh man,
1: up the hardwood. If there's anything like that here, <laughs> yeah,
0: I found carpet underneath mine, so it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's pretty cool,
0: <laughs> Phil. It's episode sixty.
1: 60 for special occasion (laughs) and we're celebrating.
0: Yeah. It's like, Jesus, it's got to be something special, like, you know, something really big, you know, like, uh, you know, last week we were joking about how uh, we wanted to do something more chill after the big Jaws episode. And then we ended up doing that big, super long Truman Show episode. (laughs) So this week we were like, oh, it's episode 60, you know, um, you know, uh, we want to be chill. But then it's episode 60, you want to do something big. And then we're like, well, you know, how about we just go really on the nose there and uh, <laughs> let's do uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, it's like 60 in the title, episode 60. <laughs> or like Gone to Sleep in 60 Seconds. Because <laughs> uh, that film's not very funny. Yeah,
1: you're uh, peeling the cotton <laughs> back a bit. Now they know the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. I know. I messaged you right before, and I'm like, "Are you sure we're doing Gone in 60 Seconds? Because I don't want to watch it <laughs> unless I have to." Yeah, I and you're know. like, "Yeah, man, it'll be fun. It'll be fun." And i was like, I know.
0: "Okay." <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I have got my fuel here because that was going to be uh, you can't even see it because my
1: uh, what that your snack time? that was
0: going to be my snack time. So now it's just my uh, pre snack drink. Um, you know, it's just my my show drink. You know, I'm show sponsored drink, by yeah. I'm sponsored by Fuel. If we were like one of those YouTube podcasts that people actually cared about, <laughs> this would be sitting on the desk, and it, you know, and I'd be like, "Yeah, this is a uh, fuel." I, although I wouldn't draw attention to it; it would just be there. You know, product just be placement. Like
1: ha- uh, hashtag ad would pop up in the corner <laughs> every like thirty seconds. To
0: see what happens if I drink a little bit of this? This is a pre-snack time. This isn't your snack time. You'll get a better
1: snack time later. Yeah, not from me, but from John. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> cool. yeah I got fuel tastes like bananas cool uh, oh, I like bananas <laughs> who doesn't like bananas uh, why don't you email and tell us if you like bananas yeah
0: if you don't like bananas you're a fool <laughs> I'm, you're full. I'm doing a hot stance there I'm standing my grounds you know about yeah. bananas
1: we hope it doesn't disappoint anyone that we're not doing <laughs> the <laughs> Nick Cage cult classic yeah in seconds.
0: I, I need to consult my pal over at uh, Caged In podcasts mm-hmm. um which I guessed it on a couple weeks ago. I kind of forgot to mention it on the actual podcast that it was out. I mentioned it like a few weeks back that I was doing it. yeah, yeah we talked about frozen ground. So that's out. So you can go hear it at Caged In. But uh yeah I need to consult him over what his take on Gone in 62nd is. Uh he listens to this podcast I believe so he'll probably maybe message me. Mm-hmm. But um yeah I don't I don't I didn't like it. I was I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna put it on and I was just like yeah great. This will maybe Be fun, dumb, kind of like Fast and the Furious, and it's just like so boring.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of everything wrong with like uh, early two thousand like action movies in terms (laughs) of like it's really casually sexist and racist. Yeah, Um, there's some
0: weird racial like stereotype based, like you know, stereotype jokes, you know, that are just
1: yeah. But there's a few. Could I? I'd watched it as a kid, um, and I remember liking it and then watching it again being like eh. just like <laughs> there's the a cool car chase and you said to me it's like there's not enough nick like letting nick cage off a bit yeah and my favorite bit is when they do let him off when he's um like conning that guy at the car dealership yeah Wait like my name's roger too do yeah. to Roger don't make a right
0: <laughs> it's so short though it's like yeah
1: that's the best bit i quote i still quote that
0: <laughs> i wish he was just unleashed through the whole the Whole film because that's funny, and then there's the one bit where he's like, Okay, one second, you know, and it seems like he's about oh. to do that, like Dennis Reynolds' I'm listening to opera to get myself hyped up thing, but he just yeah. goes, <laughs> You know, like with his and hands like, flailing, okay, and it's just like a okay, oh, yeah. Nick Cage, Nick Cage, <laughs> Nick- <laughs> <laughs> Jazz hands, but it's Nick Cage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it wasn't long Not enough. Really good. It wasn't long
0: enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would have liked it way more if it's like you know he got the he like <laughs> driving off the pier at the end and he he like stopped like the camera and he's like <laughs> Nick <it." laughs> the hand. <laughs>
0: Anyway, last week's episode uh, we did Truman Show and it really just opened up the Prince Charles Cinema's weekly email to some mind-blowing movies that have characters and the viewers of those films questioning their reality. Um, Because Truman Show sort of does that,
1: you know. Yeah, we mentioned Twilight Zone as well.
0: Yeah, we did because it was uh, one of the things that people said that like you know must have been a big influence or whatever on the script. In this week's email, it's a part two of sorts. We're going to be talking about real life bizarre mishaps that happened on or around movie sets of spooky films, or some maybe some that aren't technically spooky films. But like, for instance, the Poltergeist curse.
1: Uh-huh. Or yeah, I've heard about that one.
0: How a real priest was hired to bless the set of The Exorcist after it caught on fire. <laughs> so yeah Listeners out there If you'd like to hear more About these spooky Real life stories uh, Join the Prince Charles Cinema's Mailing list The sign up is available At PrinceCharlesCinema.com And also we're gonna have You know News coming very soon About like Possible reopenings And you know Our first Shows that are going to be on sale when we decide to finally reopen. That's the place to be. Go to princearlscinema.com. You'll find out all that. It will be on the website, but it will also be easier to find out about it via the mailing list. We'll be the first to hear uh, about a lot of things. Also, if you like to hear us do episodes on those films, like, for instance, Poltergeist and the Exorcist, or any other spooky things, let us know. Hit us up at the PCC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or you could drop us an email at podcast at princearlscinema.com. So, yeah, keeping in theme with the bizarre fitting in really nicely with last week's episode like we said Truman Show it was you know maybe possibly ripped off a couple of Twilight Zone <laughs> episodes uh-huh. I don't know but we're talking about this week this film we're talking about it's the notorious Twilight Zone the movie John Landis American Werewolf in London Steven Spielberg, E.T. Joe Dante, The Howling. George Miller, Mad Max. These acclaimed directors take you to another dimension. A journey into a wondrous land. Whose only boundaries are your
1: imagination. Next stop, The Twilight Zone. Nah, no, man, that's the of Limits episode. No, it's a zone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a zone. When four of the biggest names in Hollywood teamed up to take on a big screen adaptation of a classic TV series that had inspired all four filmmakers, the results should have been cinematic gold. 1983's Twilight Zone the movie sought to capture the mind-bending spirit of Rod Serling's sinister series for the new generation of moviegoers. Unfortunately, where the TV show was famous for giving us strange and otherworldly stories, the behind-the-scenes story of Twilight Zone the movie is sadly, similarly bizarre and all <laughs> too tragic. Yeah. While the film was completed and released to reasonable success, Its legacy forever is tainted by the fatal accident that occurred during its production and the recklessness that led to it. We're talking about Twilight Zone the movie. Phil, you've never seen this, have you?
1: I've never seen this. I've never seen now. (laughs) Till now. Yeah. Um yeah, that's why I was like um I was kind of ignited. Um, because Twilight Zone is one of those things I know of and um you know, through pop culture and yeah. other movies and shows taking inspiration and referencing it and stuff. And I've seen clips from the old show. Yeah, I've never seen the movie. The only thing I really know about it is what you were just alluding to, the sort of its reputation
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and some of the directors behind it. And yeah, like the Futurama and Gary Door parodies, which are <laughs> yeah. pretty actually dead on now that I've seen them. Twilight. Yeah,
0: that's why Like you sent me that and a message when we were talking about doing twilight zone instead of Gone to 60 seconds. And, uh, (laughs) and I was just like, yeah, dude, you're going to love, you're going to love this film.
1: (laughs) Like, it's exactly that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was really, I was really psyched. Yeah. i never, this is my first exposure to twilight zone.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did used to watch it as a kid. uh, You know, some of the old fifties, like early sixties series. And then like, As you'll find out, there was another series in the 80s, so I remember seeing that a lot as well. But yeah, it used to creep me out. We'll get a little bit more into this thing, because I've got a question to ask you about that. But the original Twilight Zone TV series premiered in 1959, running until 1964 in its first iteration. With a few revivals, you had a series from 85 to 89, and then also a very short-lived 2002 to 2003. And then most recently, Jordan Pill's ongoing series in 2019 – So the series was created by Rod Serling, who also served as the host. Each episode told a self-contained story inspired by tells published in Pulp Fiction magazines. So these stories covered a wide range of genres, typically science fiction, fantasy and horror, but sometimes more grounded tells, often with undertones of social commentary and always had some kind of unexpected twist. So it's sort of like keeping in faith with that tradition is kind of what this film has done. there's a little bit of, you know, horror, a little bit of fantasies, you know, there's some social commentary there as well. Definitely. If yeah. the
1: movie essentially, uh, are, they, are they just remaking their, like, the best episodes or the favorite favorite episodes? Because the last one, the airplane one, is an old episode that that was like William Shatner back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Are the other ones remakes? They
0: mostly are, yeah. While the filmmakers were heavily influenced by the series, it's actually debatable though how much... Of Twilight Zone the movie actually has in common with like Rod Serling's like original show because the movie is instead described as a cinematic interpretation of the TV show Mm -hmm. updating those like core ideas for contemporary audience and sensibility so there's been you know plenty of genre based anthology films over the year but up to this point many only featured like one director like Creepshow from the year prior which I talked to you a little bit about who's Mm -hmm. directed by George A. Romero of like you know, the of the dead.
1: Yeah. Fame. <laughs> yeah. George A. Romero of the dead.
0: <laughs> but also the cool thing about Creepshow is that it was written by Stephen King, so it was a lot of his um his stories and stuff. But with this film though, it was kind of unique that we saw four directors of particularly of high caliber Directing each of each story of their own. You know, there were examples of anthology films in the past that would have featured, you know, numerous directors, but it was it feels like nothing like this was like done until this time. And now mm-hmm. it's kind of a thing that happens a lot more now. Uh, but yeah, I just want to ask you what if you like anthology films like this and if you had any favorites.
1: I like the idea of anthology filming. <laughs> but they tend not to uh work entire like you just take a chance like you know you end up having weaker segments and stronger yeah segments and sometimes that's all right like could it all fit together as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think I've ever seen one like this with separate multiple directors. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um could usually could like the ones I like are like um like uh coffee and cigarettes. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Or like shortcuts. Mm -hmm. which is kind of not really could it kind of float into each other. Yeah. But, um, uh, I'm having trouble thinking of any other one. Did you like four rooms? I never saw it. You never saw it. it Okay. I heard it was bad. Really? Oh (laughs) no, man. Four
0: rooms is actually pretty fun. I like it. I mean, Uh, that's the thing though. Like
1: there's movie 43. That's an awful one. (laughs) (laughs) There we go.
0: Well, there's a lot of, uh, anthology films that, like you know would be considered pretty bad that I actually do like <laughs> you know like i mean twilight zone's sort of debatable of like certain things and i'll we'll get into it as we get through cuz i'm going to go through each segment like cool um as if they're on their own little mini movies that we're talking about but uh yeah. but yeah i mean i really like four rooms but i think horror works like you know best for anthology films from you know my own sentiments i mean i you know ballad of buster scrugs was okay from the coen brothers i there's a yeah. couple of segments i really liked but like you said there was a couple that you know it dropped off for me yeah, yeah. i like to, i would like to see coen the coen brothers do more or maybe work with a couple of other really cool directors with you know just a single segment or whatever that'd be kind of fun
1: yeah
0: but anyway like creep show like i mentioned already one and two the second one's hilarious there's some really <laughs> fucking funny things in creep show too uh, trick or treat! Like we show that cinema quite a lot. I absolutely love that film. Um, tells from the crypt, which was more of a British thing, like as a movie, but then there was the TV show. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's just tells from the hood, which was like it's like a executive produced by Spike Lee, and it's like
1: They're like ghost stories, but like in the, like in a city. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's so fucking funny and like really that fucking cool. good. Really like. You know, there's a lot of social commentary in that as well, which I think is very relevant to today as well. So I'm, I'm definitely considering like rewatching that again. But did you ever see any of those like VHS um series? Like it was no, like, I
1: remember them coming out, and I was like, that sounds like a really cool idea. But I never, actually yeah. went around to them. Well, yeah, good? it's like film footage style.
0: Uh The first one's really cool. The second one was all right. I don't know if I saw any of the others, but yeah, there's like three or
1: four of them now. But yeah. I like um like coming from the other end, like cause a couple of the Monty Python films are kind of anthology style. Yeah, definitely. Like, like yeah. meaning of life,
0: meaning of life for sure. Um,
1: that's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. And now for something completely different, but more, that's yeah. more like sketches and they've kind yeah. of tied them all together. Definitely. Um,
0: yeah.
1: But yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. This wall, I actually really enjoyed the uh, twilight zone. So mm-hmm. it opened me up to watch more. I was like, this is a really interesting way to watch a movie. Um, yeah. So I definitely want to check out. I th- I think you're right. Horror probably it suits the horror genre better.
0: Yeah. Well, I if listeners out there, if you like, you know, uh anthology films, you want to hear us do more. We're kind of looking for a couple of things that we want to do that are like going to be chiller episodes in between these big mamajamas. which mamma-jamas. This, episode, <laughs> this episode's sort of like halfway meeting halfway because it might be a bit long. I don't know. Hopefully not. We'll see. But uh, it feels chiller. Uh, but I'd love to do Creep Show and Creep Show too. That'd be really fun. Also, Kevin Smith, you know, he's got a, he's gonna have an anthology film coming out before too long. Kilroy was here.
1: Yeah, um, I've heard about it. It sounds yeah. really cool. It's like the old war propaganda thing. The guy yeah. with the big nose, Kilroy. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. creepy.
0: He talked. Uh, I'm pretty sure he might have mentioned it on the our podcast interview that we had. He with did. Him. Yeah. Yeah. When he made about Chris
1: Jericho. <laughs> exactly. Well, he was yeah. in Canada making it. Yeah. Right. Yeah
0: let's get back to twilight zone the movie so the directors the four directors that you know made this film that i mentioned it was pretty unique to have big huge directors working on a project together it was uh john landis who had done up to this point animal house the blues brothers and american werewolf in london yeah joe ah. dante who had done piranha which we mentioned a little bit a couple weeks ago on the jaws episode the best uh Rip off. Joel's ripoff, <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> he also did uh, The Howling. And also, the year after this, he would go on to do uh, Gremlins. So
1: Gremlins, Night, big, That's where I know I'm from.
0: Yeah, big career point right there for Joe Dante. Uh, George Miller from the Mad Max series. And, and then, Happy Feet. <laughs> and Happy and babe. Feet. <laughs> and Babe, yeah. <laughs> uh, go back and listen to our Mad Max episode. Uh, and then also it was Steven Spielberg who was fresh from the success of Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T. So, I mean, <laughs> this is Spielberg
1: Christ. like slamming it. <laughs> yeah,
0: seriously. So after the success of the Twilight Zone, uh, Rod Serling would go ahead and spearhead a more horror and supernatural based TV anthology series, which was called Night Gallery. Oh yeah. For the pilot episode of Night Gallery, which aired in 1969, Serling actually hired a 21 year old Steven Spielberg to direct. Yeah. A segment. I think
1: I've seen those,
0: yeah. And it, that segment actually starred Joan Crawford. So that's wild. An Academy Award winner right there in his like first proper segment on TV. No wire hangers! No wire hangers! <laughs> ever! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this pilot would turn out to be a huge break for Spielberg. So for the 1983 film, Spielberg was... Pretty much just paying homage to Serling, who had passed away in 1975. After his passing, they needed a narrator, so in comes legendary actor, Burgess Meredith, who is known for his later yeah. career as Mickey in the Rocky movies. Cut. But he also did uh, the Penguin in the 1960s, Batman series, multiple other films. Uh, and then he also appeared in quite a few Twilight Zone episodes in the original series. They
1: referenced him at the beginning, yeah.
0: Yeah, they do, yeah, because it's the most probably the most famous episode. Time enough <laughs> at last, and that gets yeah. parodied like so much.
1: I wish uh, they had done that that one for the movie. Yeah, that would have. I'd have really loved good. to see <laughs> yeah. a remake of that.
0: Who would you like to have seen play that? Like, if you're thinking that sort of eighties, <laughs> like
1: Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> obviously
0: (laughs) it's not fair it's not fair Adrian (laughs) Uh, see yeah there's there's a really good uh, it was like you know Family Guy is one of those funny shows where it's it just got unfunny after a while but there was elements that were so fucking gold and there was a really good bit where they were talking about like Peter drinking too much and Brian was concerned that he was like killing his last brain cell. And then it showed inside of his brain and it was just like a brain cell. And he's just got like his glasses on and his glasses fall off. <laughs> and he's trying to read his book. It's not fair. <laughs> Again,
1: I love that. And, um, the scary door, the Futurama parody yeah. like that. My favorite one when they do the library and it's like his glass and break. And then his, <laughs> And uh, eye fall out, and then his hand fall off. <laughs> like you just can't catch a fucking break.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, this film starts uh, the prologue, and it's, uh, it's titled "Something Scary." Now, this is directed by John Landis. John Landis would also direct the next segment, and then he would also direct the epilogue. So he had basically using control of three things. This prologue it stars Albert Brooks as the driver, and Dan Aykroyd is the passenger.
1: I had no idea going in. That the D two were in it and yeah. I am immediately relieved. Yeah, it's like so amazing to as soon
0: as you turn it on. It's like yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like
1: two great actors being funny and they're it's referential and meta and all the best way. It's yeah. kind of silly and scary. It's mm-hmm. perfect. It like the tone of the movie perfectly. Yeah. I mean this
0: prologue is amazing and it I mean it's been parodied as well a lot through the years. It's been parodied, you know. yeah uh but yeah no i I also apart from us at the top of the episode it was parodied in um adam green and oh i can't remember his name but there's adam green who directed like frozen and hatchet the hatchet series and this other guy and i I can't remember his name he's another like um frozen
1: the disney frozen oh no
0: no the one that i've talked about (laughs) on the podcast a couple of times the horror film about the people get stuck on the ski lift
1: yeah, yeah, you yeah. have. Yeah, um, that sounds great. Yeah, I know the Hatchet movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he he and this other guy, which I can't remember his name, they do like a parody of this almost every year. It feels like for Fright Fest. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe it's only the one time, but I felt like I've seen a couple of parodies that they've done. But it's them driving to Fright Fest, uh, That's and funny. yeah, it was always pretty popular. So yeah, this opening's great. It's hilarious. The I don't know Dan Aykroyd just like. It's so cheesy, just, you know, like, like pointing, uh-huh. you know, and then he comes in and it's just like the most horrible, stupid scream and like a dumb makeup that just hilarious. No, it's, it's I love amazing. it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. It's like, no, um, it's, it's it's like perfect.
1: everything. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, it's like America Werewolf, sort of like Thriller. <laughs> yeah, Landis, thriller, yeah. Which is Thriller John Landis? Yeah. 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 It same is, sort yeah. of feel. And yeah. then just like, it was great. Yeah, no, perfect amount of like cheese because you need like the big jump gear to get you into it. And he's the one who scared. I've got like
0: this book here, which I found years ago at a bookshop, and it's just like a John Landis like um, uh, book about uh, like all the makeup and just his career and shit. It's wild. Uh, so yeah,
1: that's cool, man. I need to break that out. No, I fucking love John Landis, and like yeah. especially for later comedies like Coming to America and Trading Places and Three Amigos, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. And it felt very John Landis, just like two yeah. guys in a car talking. And yeah, it's funny, like Dan O'Croy is like the scared one. He's like, you know, Whoa. like when he keeps <laughs> turning off the light and he's like, just watch, your just watch the road, man. Yeah. And then he whipped Now I thought he was just going to pull a face, like do the eyelid trick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> but it's so I like got he turns it turns blue.
0: <laughs> I, I love John Landis as well. I mean, to be honest, he's, you know, directed some of my favorite films. You know, but unfortunately with the big accident is where in this film in particular is where John Landis kind of becomes a bit problematic which we'll get into because directly after this opening prologue it goes into the first segment it's time out which is directed by John Landis you're about to meet an angry man Mr. William Connor who carries on his shoulder chip size of the national debt this is a sour man a lonely man who's tired of waiting for the breaks to come to others, but never to him. Mr. William Connor, whose own blind hatred, is about to catapult him into the darkest corner of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> so The scary door. Vic Morrow stars as Bill Connor, a bitter man who meets his friends at a bar and is upset about losing out on a job promotion to a Jewish man, which leads to a racist tirade, <laughs> if you want to put that lightly. As he leaves the bar, he finds himself in Nazi Germany and getting chased by Nazi soldiers, and then transported to Southern America, nearly lynched by the Ku Ku Klux Klan, and then transported to Vietnam and shot by American soldiers. So yeah, this is uh, a pretty—I don't know—feels pretty, you know, present. This story, you know, very (laughs) like like,
1: again. I we went in not knowing anything about any of the segments or the whole movie. So it's like we're going in and you're like, Oh, I don't know what the twists are. I don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, it starts like that. And it's a really uncomfortable watch because you're yeah. hearing people use these words so brazenly. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it feels very, yeah. Pristine. It's the perfect one. Very relevant.
0: You asked if all these segments were like remakes, you know, based on like old episodes and stuff from the original <laughs> series. So, Time Out is the only original story. It's loosely based on a couple of episodes like Death's Head's revisit it and Equality of Mercy episodes. But yeah, this is uh completely original basically. This segment is like pretty pretty scary in a lot of ways. It is. To be honest, it's like one of those weird things where you find yourself rooting for People you would never root for because this guy sucks, and you kind of like want him to get his just desserts.
1: I'm wanting to him to get shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't. There's no like the other episodes have a return to normalcy; they have yeah. a new equilibrium. This one doesn't. Yeah, he, he kind of you're know, he's stuck in this nightmare. Yeah, he like he's driven away in the back of a truck or some something. Um, but yeah, you're just kind of wanting him to get shot, and he does. Yeah. But not Yeah, enough. he does. <laughs> it gets shot in the arm.
0: Yeah. Well, the reason why this feels this way, the fact that, like, it doesn't get back to a sort of normal, doesn't feel like he's, like, learned his lesson. He's just sort of doomed to basically, he's in hell almost. Like, mm. it's because this is the segment where the big accident happened, the big crazy thing that happened we're going to go ahead and get into it i know a lot of times i tend to wait until the end but i feel like you just kind of get it got to get into it cuz it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the the you know the stories in this film and a lot of what happened in the other segments you know was based around this accident so what happened was at around 2:30 a.m. on the 23rd of July 1982 john landis was directing a scene set during the Vietnam War so it was when uh, Morrow's character was in the script he was like attended to rescue two Vietnamese children so the whole idea was that it was going to be more of like a redemption arc or redemption story for Vic Morrow's character Okay, Uh, but the sequence required Morrow to run through water whilst carrying two children who was Micah uh Din Lei, who is age seven, and Renee Shin Shin Yi Chen, who is age six. And that was while like a low-flying helicopter hovered nearby. And then there was like explosives that were set off near the helicopter and it was too close. And unfortunately one of the explosives like just damaged the vehicle's rotor blades, causing it to crash. And all three were killed instantly. Moro and Lei were decapitated by the helicopter's like top rotor blades while Chin was crushed by one of the struts of the helicopter. And actually this crazy thing is like the deaths were actually recorded from at least three different camera angles. Oh,
1: oh god. That really like sent like a shiver down my spine.
0: As a result of this accident, basically they couldn't complete the scenes and uh out of respect to the children their scenes were completely omitted from the final film so they also had to like basically change you know the story a bit because originally he was going to save these children and i think the idea was that it was supposed to i've heard a couple of different things because john landis has said that it was supposed to still in the same way but the Nazi like the children were supposed to be transported back with Vic Morrow to Nazi Germany and after he saved them, and then um he was going to be taken away by the Nazis and that's sort of why they had that footage on the train like him getting taken away but then the children were going to be separated from him and taken you know by some soldiers so that's one story. Another story was that it was supposed to be sort of this redemption thing and they weren't able to like finish it. And that's why it ends on this really sort of sour note, which I mean, for this guy, obviously like, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. It, it works. It's just really fucking dark because of mm-hmm. what happens.
1: You know um, why it ends like that really.
0: Yeah. But anyway, it quickly came to light that after the accident that Micah, uh, Din Lay and Renee Shenyi Yi The two child actors who lost their lives were hired illegally. Uh, The parents were being paid in secret to attempt to circumvent California's child labor laws. Like I said, they were working at 2.30 in the morning, which is crazy. And they also weren't supposed to be in the proximity of explosives. So the parents were asked by producer George Falsey Jr., Uh, not to let any on-set firefighters know that the children would be present during the scene because, yeah, that wasn't supposed to go down. So this accident led to, like, a big civil and criminal action against the filmmakers, which lasted for, like, several years. And Landis Falsi, production manager Dan Allingham, the pilot Dorsey Wingo, and the explosive, explosive specialist Paul Stewart were all tried, but they were all acquitted on charges of manslaughter in a trial that lasted like nine months uh but yeah as a result of the accident like the second assistant director andy house had his name removed in the credits and it was replaced with the pseudonym alan smithy uh the incident was also resulted in uh the establishment of the motion pictures and entertainment unit within cal fire office of the state fire marshal to enforce fire safety regulations and requirements in the entertainment industry so yeah, I mean it's pretty wild John Landis he's admitted wrongdoing in hiring in you know the children illegally mm-hmm. but he never publicly accepted responsibility for the accident and you know this kind of caused a big issue with like Spielberg cuz he and Spielberg were co-producing the film together and you know Spielberg was just really disgusted with how John Landis handled the accident and he publicly ended their friendship over it. So Spielberg declared that everyone involved with the Twilight Zone film was sick to the center of their souls and that the whole event made me grow up a little bit more. You know, soon he also called for the end of the new Hollywood era with the directors having, you know, complete control over the movie, saying that no movie is worth dying over. And Spielberg, he was also quoted as saying, I think people are standing up much more now than ever before to producers and directors who ask too much, uh, if something isn't safe, it's the right and responsibility of every actor or crew member to yell cut. So uh, this, this sort of thing, it kind of sucks because I really like John Landis, but like the more you look into this, it's like pretty crazy. Hopefully he's learned and it's a shame that he's never really like sort of taken more responsibility for it. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, there stories about like people saying that, you know, he, basically kind of shrugged off, you know, some people who were worried that the the, um, incident was going to be unsafe. You know, the pilot has said that, you know, he was getting too close and he was just like, I need to pull out of here. And Landis can be heard over the radio just shouting like lower, lower, get lower, get lower, you know, and it just was completely unsafe. So, yeah, I don't know. It kind of sucks. I mean, sorry to burst any John Landis
1: bubbles (laughs) no man, that's some heavy shit. And you should know that it's one of those things. No one, yeah. I've never seen anyone like, go. like, not that they should. Um, but every time there's like news of John Landis, I'll see, there'll be multiple comments. They're like, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know, because of that. And I always sort of, this is the most I'm actually hearing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always just thought it was, it's sort of a horrible freak accident yeah. on the step, But then obviously a lot of accountability, you know, with him, that it's a shame that he'd never lived like sort of cop to it. I guess he's a young, he's a young guy when it happened. Yeah. And like, I hope, I assume that's just a heavy thing he'd had to fucking live with. Like it would for me. Yeah. Definitely. And it's a weird thing, not excusing it at all. And I'm, but like, it's just, that's still a problem in the entertainment industry. It's like, it's like safety regulation it's a regular occurrence you see like stunt people dying being like forced into really precarious situations yeah and nobody seems to get any like shit for it and like i've worked on loads of sets and loads of um times where where you're going over over time you're working later than you agreed to you're working in dark and unsafe conditions you're in places you shouldn't be, you know. They're just stealing shots here and there, and you know, obviously not to this extent. But that's just that's crazy that it, he let it get to that level, that he pushed it that far, that he fucking had kid involved. Yeah, if I had known that, it would have definitely now. Now I'm sort of remembering the movie differently, but it would have yeah. definitely impacted how I viewed the rest of it I didn't know it happened then and there
0: yeah yeah so I mean I guess that can just lead us into the next segment which is kick the can which is directed by Steven Spielberg it is sometimes said that where there is no hope there is no life case in point the residence of Sunnyvale rest home just outside of Sunnyvale trailer park <laughs> <laughs> where hope is just a memory but hope just checked in to Sunnyvale, disguised as an elderly optimist who carries his magic in a shiny tin can. So yeah, uh, Scatman Crothers stars as Mr. Yeah. Bloom who brings the youth back to the elderly folk at Sunnyvale Rest Home. Actually, you know, Spielberg, you know, it's uh, he was planning on pulling the plug on the whole Twilight Zone altogether following the tragedy because actually, that segment was, you know, the, I think the, one of the first things that was being shot and uh, Spielberg's was shot after the fact. Mm-hmm. He decided to keep going with the film, but like he just really wasn't into it anymore. And I think originally this segment was supposed to be at the end and then it got moved up to being, you know, right after. Middle. Bad segment. Yeah. The thing about Time Out is that like, You know, it wasn't shown inside of, I think, the trailers, some of the trailers that were being released, and uh, they just kind of left it out. And I think the whole idea was just to kind of, like, scrub that as much as possible, Um, maybe out of a little bit of respect to the families altogether. But, yeah, the whole thing was just a bit weird. I mean, there was another weird thing I forgot to mention that Vic Morrow actually apparently had, like, he had a really big fear of dying in a helicopter. It was, like, almost like a premonition.
1: I mean, that happens a lot in Hollywood, <laughs> like Natalie Wood.
0: Yeah, yeah. He was supposed to do a film, like he was doing a, a stunt in a film or whatever, like, you know, back in the maybe the 70s or something like that. And he apparently asked for like a $1 million uh, life insurance policy before he did it because he just was afraid, afraid of helicopters didn't want to do it. And he's just like, Oh, you know, I shouldn't do this. This is unsafe and stuff. And apparently he said something about being, you know, uncomfortable doing that scene. So it's, it's wild altogether. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Spielberg, you know, he just really wasn't into doing this film altogether anymore and, uh, kick the can, you know, like it was completed, like basically in six days. Like felt like it (laughs) it was just like incredibly short schedule. Mm you know especially for the director who like we were joking about just couldn't finish jaws a couple of weeks ago that's when he couldn't
1: finish quick enough
0: (laughs) yeah uh yeah so he just wanted to get it over and done with but yeah he previously like had briefly considered adapting the monsters are due on maple street which was from 1960 and that was about a neighborhood uh paranoia that was set off by a force of invading aliens and that was supposed to be the segment he wanted to adapt, but it you know he had to cancel it because it involved a lot of nighttime filming and also there was children involved and special effects and all that. He was just like I you know don't want to deal with that, mm-hmm. so he opted to do
1: a bunch of kids playing in the park, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally kicking a can, yeah. it's the safest thing he could have done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh yeah, it's the first of four films that wouldn't feature John Williams as the composer for Steven Spielberg as the whole film was scored by Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, and the music is probably playing now uh, for the segment Kick the Can. Actually, it was originally written as the theme for Norman Bates in Psycho 2. Really? Yeah, because Jerry Goldsmith did the music for Psycho 2. All right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Twilight Zone, the movie, is believed to have put like Spielberg on a much bleaker creative path. As reflected in the darkness of, uh, you know, 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. A little bit darker.
1: Sure. A little scarier. But then again, you
0: know, it's also George Lucas's story story there. So I don't know how much influence he had over that
1: story. I mean, I think Uh, it's probably part of his evolution, but he doesn't get into, like, seriously dark stuff until a little down the road. Yeah. (laughs) And he was actually,
0: he had big plans for, you know, this unproduced E.T. sequel. Did you ever hear about this? <laughs> this yeah, isn't it was, no, no. It was going to be a, like a horror film and it was going to be called Nocturnal Fears.
1: Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking Captain EO for a second, the Michael <laughs> Jackson E.T. movie in <laughs> Disneyland. Yeah.
0: I really want to do uh, an E.T. episode someday because like there's a lot to talk about there.
1: You know, I've never seen E.T.
0: You're fucking with me, right?
1: No, I've never seen it. <laughs>
0: Jesus, dude.
1: That That's like my big thing. That's like my Moby Dick, right? Yeah. And I, oh. Now I almost don't want to watch it because it's like, you know, it's a good conversation startup. Yeah. Or a conversation ender, depending on how I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's yeah, I've never, I've never seen it.
0: That's like one of those questions, like what film have you lied about seeing? You yeah. <laughs> know,
1: I've never lied. I'm yeah. very proud. Oh, I feel yeah. like I've, honestly, I would like people to know tell me because I feel like I've missed the boat. I feel like it's a movie that's infinitely better as a child and I won't be that into it now. Uh, You know what I mean? I don't know, man. Maybe being
0: an adult, you know, you'll connect with certain things that you wouldn't have as a child. I don't know. It's good. I mean, that's the thing about Spielberg. He's like, he's so good at, with directing like children and Mm -hmm. uh, these wholesome stories like this. So I mean it's funny cuz this segment's largely panned by critics and uh yeah. and most most viewers like you know many f- saying that it just didn't feel like a typical Spielberg it's very Spielberg yeah. that's not
1: my problem with it
0: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't necessarily fit with the vibe of what is presented in the film it probably would have maybe fit a little bit better at the end
1: yeah at the more hopeful ending yeah. to the whole thing
0: but you know, that's, we'll get into a little bit more of what the original plans were, but, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I absolutely love this segment, to tell you really? the truth. I do really like it. I, I, I like it a lot, actually. Um, something about it, I don't know, Scatman Crothers is so good. Uh, I love how cheesy it he's is. Great. Like, it, it's really great, and it really feels like he's testing the waters for Hook. I mean, this kid he doesn't, the British kid, he doesn't want uh, to, uh, it did remind me adult. of hook. It's great.
1: Yeah. It, it gave me like definite hook vibe at the end where he's like, you can't come oh! with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing dude, Douglas you can't come with me. it's
0: so fucking good, man. Also, if it, it feels like it le- like definitely had to lend some influence for cocoon, you know, that's why yeah. Me and yeah.
1: Dusty were watching it and I uh, was like, this, she, she was saying, this is kind of like, a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like old people like in a field.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, Ron Howard, he's, you know, he's pretty much early on in his career was kind of known as a bit more of a, you know, Spielberg knockoffs or Spielberg like sort of <laughs> kind of guy. Someone who's definitely heavily influenced by Spielberg. So, I mean, Cocoon like feels so much like the segment. And I love Cocoon, I think it's great. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I like the segment. I know it doesn't fit in nicely with this. Uh, it is weird because it is a little too cheery. But I mean, Spielberg obviously was not filling it. Um, So, I mean, that's just how it happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I love the sentiment of this segment. I love the message of it at the end. And I think it's actually a really great moment where the the kids are like, you know, you never see that. They're like talking about why they want to stay old. Yeah. Because of all the stuff they've gone through and that giving it meaning. And, you know, the the ideal thing is that you do grow old, but your mind stays young. (laughs) and you don't lose that part of you. And then the one kid who'd refused it to grow yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Um, I like that. It's just incredibly cheesy. incredibly, like, overly sentimental. And I just can't get over it. It's got that horrible movie trope or classical story trope of the magical black character. <laughs> True. So Fair enough. You man. know what I mean? I, it really bothered yeah. me. It, it's so overt in this one. And he literally goes from like nursing home to nursing yeah. home. The next one, it looks like he's going to go cure blind people. Yeah. And I jumped to that one. I'm like, so at the end, they're going to be like, no, I want to stay blind. <laughs> <laughs> My hearing is crazy good, bro. <laughs> so it's a weird yeah, one. No. It's a mixed I, one. I, I,
0: I can... I can feel you on that. That is, I never thought about it that way. It's a bit weird. Always, I think it's just because it's Scatman Crothers, and he's basically just playing the same character from The Shining. So exactly, and I like
1: Scatman <laughs> yeah. Crothers. Yeah, sure. um, he's good in it, and everybody's good in it. Yeah. But it just feels very, could he be the only like <laughs> yeah. you know, like it True. would feel weird. Yeah, that's my only real hit against yeah. it, though. Um, it doesn't really fit. But now that I know the story a bit, it now like. I don't know how, why Spielberg even continued to do so. Maybe he just had to. But I like that the one he did doesn't fit. Yeah. And it, it's about growing up. Yeah. And sort of. Huck. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he would do it better with Hook. Yeah. It just made me want to watch Hook. Yeah for the hook hater out there! All
0: you hook haters out there! Why don't we
1: just do hook? We're gonna do like, hook. <laughs> let's just do hook. I love that movie, yeah. and it would be the whole episode would be like, I can't believe people don't like this movie. It's perfect. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good.
0: Well, speaking of good, next segment, let's get into it. It's a good life, directed by Joe Dante. We're gonna get a little bit darker here, so be ready.
1: This one is fucking dark. <laughs> Portrait of a Woman
0: in Transit Helen Foley, age 27 Occupation, school teacher Up until now, the pattern of her life has been one of unrelenting sameness, Waiting for something different to happen Helen Foley doesn't know it yet, but her waiting has just ended Kathleen Quinlan stars as Helen Foley A woman on a road trip who ends up lost and trying to get her wits about her While stopping for lunch at a diner in a small town at the diner, Helen meets a gifted boy named Anthony, who's played by Jeremy Litch, After running over him and his bike, and that's pretty funny.
1: That's a hot. that's it's funny. It's really like, it's a, it's a good stunt, and yeah. that's legit. Like, yeah, you it's like shit. Kid get yeah, hit. it's nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah,
0: they were they were this film. This film, this film children. hates children. Jesus Christ! It's <laughs> <laughs> not funny. Like, like,
1: th- uh, no, but this this movie yeah. is that guy in the diner who goes over to Anthony and just like pushes yeah, him over so for hardcore. no reason. Could he could he like playing an arcade yeah. game or something?
0: Yeah, Helen drives Anthony home and meets his strange family, where she learns Anthony has power to wish for anything to happen, including for food. Snack time! Snack time. Quarantine.
1: Quarantine. Quarantine. It's snack time. Quarantine. Quarantine. It's snack time. Lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you got, All Phil? Right. You You want to go? shall I go you first? You go first. Now, I bought this snack. Um, For... Gone in 60 seconds? For, for Gone in 60 seconds. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You did say you had got had it. I got it for second. the last thing that we were supposed to review. Yeah. And even that was difficult. And all I could think of was what do you know, there's lots of driving in Gone in 60 seconds. Yeah. Am I right? There's a lot of driving in this. They one. drive. Exactly. All right. And they drive cars. And what do cars have? Wheels. Wheels. Wagon Oh, wheels. yeah. There we go. <laughs> Epic. It's the jammy one uh, as well. It's a jammy one. It's yeah. the only one I've tried. It's great. Dusty just turned me onto these, and it's so good. I don't. If, for people who don't know, is it, is it, it's an American thing. I don't. I
0: don't know. I don't know. I don't, I think, don't so. think so.
1: Um, I just assume. <laughs> um Because it's it's like just this weird concoction of that. It's like biscuit and marshmallow yeah. and jam, in like not even chocolate, like a chocolate flavored coating. Um, but it's good. I'm gonna open. Did it. Did I have
0: a wagon wheel for? Our, uh, Ninja Turtles episode, actually.
1: Maybe. <laughs> I don't remember, peanut- but I got away from it anyway. And you're just going to have to... to well, it.
0: you got something with jam, but I've got something that goes nicely with jam. I have...
1: I know what you got. A, Damn a right. peanut
0: butter burger.
1: <laughs> oh, <okay.
0: laughs> oh, my God. Anthony's favorite you know meal, what? the peanut butter burger, with uh, peanut butter inside. Because peanut butter makes the burger.
1: You're right. How is
0: it? Oh, so dry. It's good. (laughs) It's good, buddy. It's just so dry. I love peanut butter sandwiches, but burger bun is so thick.
1: (laughs) Dude, I love peanut butter. I've had almost every day of quarantine a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Nice. I had one this morning. Hence why I was like, I can't do another one for the episode. (laughs) I'm just going to stick with the wagon wheel and I think it'll be funny. I'm going
0: to have to finish that later because I feel like I'm a horse or a dog or something that's had peanut butter now.
1: I just found out, you know, when there's like a horse that talks in a movie, they give it peanut butter (laughs) so its mouth will move. (laughs) Mr. Ed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's get back to It's a Good Life. So... This is a remake of It's a Good Life, the episode. <laughs> and the name of the main character, Helen Foley, is actually a, you know from the episode Nightmare as a Child. So Joe Dante, he's pretty notorious for all of his references in his films. He does it a lot in most of his movies. You'll find references here and there to old television shows or movies. And he does it a lot in his segment. So there's quite a few references to the original series, like things about certain towns that are... You know that uh, Helen Foley asks about or Says something about, and that's actually a reference to an episode. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of references. But even deeper is Bill Mummy, who plays Anthony in the original episode. He actually makes a cameo as one of the guys in the in the diner at the bar. I think he's totally. the one who says something about the kids messing up. You know the TV, and that he's got a lot of money on that boxing match. Not the one that yeah, yeah. gets up and throws little kids, <laughs> the little kid the child, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so that's that's a thing, and then uh also <laughs> that's a thing there's a lot of people in in this uh segment in particular,
1: so yeah, I pointed out um when we were watching Anthony's Big Sister,
0: yeah, with well,
1: uh Nancy Cartwright fucking bought him, yeah, two, so both of his sisters, sisters. are
0: actually someone, so. Yeah, like you said, Anthony's older sister uh, Ethel, who he transports into Cartoon Land and Television. That bit's
1: so cool. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's Nancy Cartwright. This was her first live-action film role, Uh, and pretty—it's pretty fitting that he sent her into Cartoon Land because you know she spent the last thirty-plus years voicing Bart Simpson. She was also the second voice of Dexter from Dexter's Lab, and the second voice of Chucky Finster from Rugrats. So yeah, pretty. You know, important voice f- probably for most people's childhood who are around our age <laughs> or even younger. But because Yeah, yeah she's you can so kind old. of hear it
1: in the movie. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. So his other sister, though, the one the shown is probably the creepiest thing in this whole
1: film. <laughs> the fucking, it's like uh, Neo from The Matrix. Yeah, so creepy. It really yeah. freaked me out.
0: So like, yeah, when Anthony is telling uh, Helen about his sister, Sarah, they uh, show her looking at a TV and she's got no mouth. And she uh, had an accident. <laughs> <It's> so <creepy. laughs> yeah.
1: No thank you, yeah. kid.
0: But that that woman who's playing his sister is actually someone who's known for their voice, so it's pretty funny that, you know she has no mouth in this film, because that is uh Sheree Curry from The Runaways. Oh man. So I pretty did, I wild. couldn't
1: even recognize her. Yeah. So that, that it's cool. pretty cool.
0: Uh yeah, this segment is just pretty wild. Like I think it's um one of the best in the film. It's hard. I don't know. We'll, we'll get at the end. I'll, we'll, we'll do a roundup and see which one's our favorite segment. But this yeah. segment's so cool. I mean, it is, like we said, it's a remake of an episode, a classic episode. But yeah, it's so well done. It's really fun, goofy. It's very Joe Dante, uh, but very creepy.
1: It's creepy. It's one of the only times. I don't really go for the Gary movies. movie. Yeah. I don't find them very Gary like The Omen and shit, but... This one, Anthony really freaked me out. Yeah. Um, just more because of how everyone else was reacting around him. Yeah. And why don't they run away? <laughs> they Could Could he leave? It, could he could just wish them back?
0: I guess so. Yeah, maybe so.
1: But he doesn't like him either. Yeah. Like, it's weird. And why is she wearing, like, a schoolgirl outfit? And, like...
0: Yeah.
1: Why is the uncle, like, a magician? It's so weird. <laughs> um, I, I think... V- Visually, it's my favorite because it got like the scary bunny and like the cartoon land bit. Yeah, and I love the the Technicolor ground floor and then the second floor is monochromatic, yeah. black and white. So even cool. the TV, a gray <laughs> yeah. cartoon. Yeah, I love that touch. It's just cool. It's just weird. Fun house.
0: Did you even notice that the house itself? When he's coming to the house, they I think at first they might just be showing like his uncle and his sister like just kind of lounging on the, on the sofa. They're watching TV. Watching yeah. TV. And then it shows the house in the cartoon. And then it zooms out. And then it shows the house outside as Helen and Anthony are coming in. And yeah. it's like the exact same house. So he's just like created this cartoon house. It's so cool. I love yeah. it.
1: Yeah, it's cool. It's fun Out And they take the idea really far. Like yeah. in a way he wishes for everything to go away. Yeah. And then they're basically like in limbo. And it's done really well where like, it's just overlaying the footage yeah, and yeah, keep repeating the same line. So I, I, it's really cool. It's a fun watch, but like the weird one, because I didn't really get what was happening. And I, maybe I was <laughs> looking for like an under, because the rest of them do have, even if they're not like sociopolitical mm-hmm. messages, they have something uh, like behind it. And I didn't really know what this one was beyond maybe like a, maternal like motherhood thing yeah or like child a child's abuse. imagination child <laughs> abuse, yeah yeah or, maybe i don't know child
0: child abusing people
1: <laughs> yeah it kind of yeah. reminded me of um on ted's bogus journey mm. and uh ted's nightmare
0: yeah yeah
1: where the buddy the easter bunny keeps following him <laughs> and like uh bill's like old grandmother wanting to give him a kiss that's what it reminds me yeah. of
0: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it. It works so well though because it's just sort of like this weird fucking story. It's the most like weird nightmarish one of them all. Like you said, yeah, the limbo like. scene is very Fortress of Solitude, like in Superman. You know, it's just like it's so, so weird.
1: But it's yeah. a great one to have right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like it just it's like throwing a banner in the works. Yeah, it's like fuck it. This is like what it could like Twilight Zone could be anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really cool. And
0: all the actors are absolutely great this segment is really funny i, I just yeah. i love the parents like i mean if they even are his parents i love that there's like not they're enough not, they're not his parents. yeah yeah of course they're not yeah. his parents that's true because he's yeah that's right he did mention that uh you know they ran they, away they sent him away he... or something yeah yeah but i don't know it's just weird that he like has these parents it, there's like not enough answered in this which is kind of great because it's just is probably the most unrealistic of them all. And it's sort of, like yeah. I said, it's a bit of a nightmare. It's, it's so strange. Yeah. yeah. I love it.
1: Where is yeah. dinner again? <laughs> yeah. It's in the oven. She, she never knows. She never knows where it is. And then and it's you like, fucking okay, pull and out go like
0: a, a, a goddamn peanut butter burger. Like yeah. fucking uh, ice cream, potato chips, and all sorts of shit. Like cake. And yeah, I love it. I, I love when they're just like you know like oh yeah this is great anthony can have anything he likes it's great and don't don't you think it's great helen and helen's just like well you know it's i don't know this it's okay but i mean it's not something you would have all the time and he's like yeah
1: it's like, i kind of want to leave now no. <laughs> see
0: it's not good all the time and then like the people are like yeah yeah anthony yeah it's not good all the time it's not it's not you should have something healthy and he's like you never say that to me <laughs> it's so good i love this this like weird It's like someone stumbling into like someone's existential crisis. (laughs) If someone could just walk into my head during lockdown, they would get this this episode.
1: Yeah, this one's the most relatable.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like everyone is Helen and they're on the road trip and then they get lost into this weird limbo that is fucking quarantine. Quarantine. (laughs) Yeah, so Joe Dante, he's he's revealed that actually the movie's four segments were originally meant to intertwine with each other, with the uh, yeah, film's characters appearing in one more than one story, and then everything was supposed to be tied up at the end, and that's sort of how it works with the very end, which we'll get into with the next segment. The final segment, proper segment, is Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, directed by George Miller. This is the one, man. (laughs) (laughs) What you're looking at could be the end of a particularly terrifying nightmare. It isn't. It's the beginning. Introducing Mr. John Valentine, air traveler. His destination?
1: The Twilight Zone. First class ticket to the Twilight Zone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a remake of the episode Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, which was remade again um, in the most recent Jordan Pills series in 2019.
1: That's like the most famous episode,
0: right? Yeah, it's uh, definitely, yeah, the most popular. You know, pretty much I remember this being like so ingrained into my head when I think about this film and just John Lithgow in general, like especially as a child because John Lithgow stars as John Valentine. He's a man Mm -hmm. who's having a panic attack on a plane during a thunderstorm. After he's calmed by the flight attendants, Valentine loses it. When he sees a hideous gremlin on the wing of a plane destroying oh, the cool. engine, and this is before gremlins, and I'm almost shocked that it wasn't Joe Dante directing this this bit. But clipping um, yeah, you know, maybe Joe Dante got a little you know, like, huh? That's that's a good idea that's for a good idea. for a film. But yeah, anyway, it's absolutely bonkers. This I love John Lithgow. I fucking love him so
1: much. And he's perfect in this. He's so good. He's insane. He's just sweaty. And fucking, <laughs> yeah. Like, I love the constant, like, staring at the camera. Yeah. Like, when he's, like, being, like, held down, and he's just trying to get out and tell everyone what's happening, yeah. and they're just yelling right at you, and <laughs> really freaky. It really phone. Yeah, like, definitely. You have all the, like, the people. Biggest planes. plane ever. It's just
0: great as well. Like, those, that little girl and her, like, weird for a bike. yeah With her weird uh what is it like it's like, like a ventriloquist doll of wc fields like oh my little <laughs> chickadees <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange but yeah there's uh the two stewardess as well there's their veteran actress and singer abby lane who had basically been retired and she came out to of retirement basically to do this one film role i don't know how she got talked into it or what happened because she hadn't done anything for quite a few years before. And then she never did anything after this. So sort of her like, yeah, first role in ages and last one since. Um, but then also the younger, uh, stewardess, the blonde haired stewardess is Donna Dixon. Who's Garth's dream woman. I must have slipped. The foxy lady herself from Wayne's world. (laughs) 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 Interestingly enough, she actually married and she's married still to this day to Dan Aykroyd uh, before filming (laughs) this film, which is pretty wild. She had just married him right before they did this film. Uh, Also, I think it's wild that Dan Aykroyd's managed to keep her as his wife. She must have the patience of a saint because this guy is like, perfect for twilight oh, zone he's fucking crazy he's well into his ufos his crystal skulls i love dan Aykroyd for that it because t- that's yeah, fucking yeah. awesome i'm happy to see the guy who got blown by a ghost and ghost monsters. <laughs>
1: now wanting to yeah, do it for real trying to get it for real it's like the crazy uncle you get like trapped in a corner with <laughs> and keep telling you the <laughs> same story
0: yeah. but
1: he's really funny yeah, and like I really sweet yeah um so you let it go. <laughs> yeah. He would with, um to cross over with our Star Wars one, he was with Carrie Fisher at one yeah, point. Yeah, They were like was. engaged to be yeah. married. Was that before this thing? Yeah, it
0: would be because they married in it's like 83 or whatever and, yeah. and they've been married since. So yeah. Uh, Okay.
1: Yeah, so mad respect for, her yeah, for yeah.
0: Sticking with him. Yeah, <laughs> sticking with crazy Dan Aykroyd. No offense, yeah. Dan Aykroyd, if you ever hear this, is I have nothing but love and respect for you. Love I Dan love Aykroyd. your UFO yeah. um, enthusiasm because it makes me more interested in it because Dan Aykroyd's great. <laughs> nice save. Um, yeah, nice. But it's written by Richard Matheson. So He's the guy who wrote the I Am Legend novel. He did actually write the Kick the Can oh, really? segment and It's a Good Life. He's He basically uh, wrote tons and tons and tons of the original Twilight Zone episodes. So Good writer. it's, you know, it's one of the best remember stories of the original series. And that's, you know, in part thanks to, uh, the performance of its leading man, future Star Trek star, William Shatner. So Shatner was actually asked to reprise his role for this, but due to scheduling conflicts, cause he was doing, you know, Star Trek two, and then a couple of other things at the time.
1: TJ Hooker. Is that the name yeah, of that it was
0: show? T.J. Hooker, exactly. Yeah, he was doing T.J. Hooker at the time. So yeah, um, Lithgow was cast, which I can't fault. It's like we said, <laughs> it's
1: so. I'm glad it was good. John Lithgow.
0: Yeah, if it's yeah. not, if it's not going to be William Shatner, who would have done amazing, I think, even at that time, still just like, because William Shatner is great at doing just like really just over the top dramatic sort of performances, and it's always really funny. It's funny because years later, John Lithgow was star. And this is another thing that I always think about John Lithgow, you know, there's there's blowout. We're not gonna mention the director's name, but uh <laughs> he, he didn't show up for this episode, so screw him. Yeah. No,
1: uh, <laughs> but yeah. Left a tang and dry.
0: <laughs> I think a lot about blowout, I think a lot about Harry and the Henderson's. I think a lot about Wow, really? I think a lot about <laughs> That's a good one. This, this segment, and then also the big TV show that he was a part of in the 90s, which is Third Rock from the Sun. Third
1: Rock. I <laughs> love Third Rock.
0: And he played alien Dick Solomon, who was sent to Earth to observe human behavior with three other aliens. So their boss throughout the series was this boss named the Big Giant Head, but they never showed this character <laughs> until William Shatner guest starred... As the big head in real, you know, he he finally made his appearance. And when he finally appears, Solomon asks him how his trip was. And Shatner answers, it was a horrible flight. There was a man on the wing of the plane. To which Solomon replies, the same thing happened to me. And that's fucking brilliant.
1: (laughs) That's beautiful, man. So good.
0: Yeah, this segment is so fucking fun. I mean, I love that... I love the fucking gremlin when you see it when he first sees it on the wing. It's so fucking great. He just like lifts the fucking blind up and he just looks out and he just catches eye with it and the fucking thing just looks so heavy metal. It's just like like you just imagine like metal music playing and flames and sparks and everything as it's just exploding one of the fucking engines. I'll, I'll go ahead and say yeah. it. I think this yeah. segment is probably my favorite segment yeah me it's too like fucking... i think
1: i think everything comes together it's like <laughs> exciting and fun and weird and talked about like phobia and obsession yeah. and things like that and anxiety <laughs> disorder it's great um but yeah no that thing is metal as fuck it's kind of like the guy in mad max with the flamethrower guitar mixed yeah. with the rabbit from donnie darko exactly yeah fucking and it looks so cool
0: fucking george miller man
1: yeah man like literally i was just waiting for the moment i was like lift it lift that fucking thing over the window and i want to see it and it's like his face is like right fucking yeah. there and you're like nope nope <laughs> and it's great they give him like a sedative and he's just like he turned, like he turned over yeah. and he got his head on the pillow and you know you can see it they don't have to say it. you can see the teddy's like don't look don't fucking <laughs> don't look do don't, it. Do it. don't do it. Don't, <laughs> it don't fucking do it bro but i love that because that's no, like that,
0: that taps into like Just that visceral fucking like thing in your head as a child when you're like afraid of something, you know, like Mm
1: -hmm. like the monster under the
0: bed or like you think you see something outside and you're looking out the window, you're looking through the, you know, your blinds. I used to do that as a kid all the time. I used to like be quite afraid of UFOs and I would like always look at the sky and just be really afraid and then I'll like close my blinds and just get under the covers and just be like kind of scared and then I'll just like look out again I'll admit, I, I watched some pretty fucked up shit as a kid, as I said quite a few <laughs> times on this podcast. Yeah, The thing that really did it for me, though, was uh, a film that is actually fucking boring as shit now, but it's still <laughs> really creepy. This one scene, it's fire in the sky Um
1: Oh I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so it's based on the Travis
0: one. Walton story, which is like a supposedly true UFO abduction, and Hollywood just took it and made it a fucking horror film. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> this one scene where he's being like examined by the aliens is fucking terrifying, but the rest of the film is so fucking boring, nothing happens. It's just like <laughs> like, oh, where's Travis at? Oh, oh there's Travis. Oh <laughs> Yeah, it's so fucking stupid. So yeah. I used to be really afraid. I, that's a fucking huge digression, but. Um, <laughs> no, that was great. But anyway. how
1: much has changed because now it's just police. Yeah, help. yeah, <laughs> seriously.
0: It's just all the cocaine and the police. <laughs> no,
1: yeah. <laughs> Lay off that whiskey, man. Let that cocaine be.
0: <laughs> but anyway, it leads perfectly this segment into the epilogue. Which is titled Even Scarier. And like I said, it's again directed by John Landis. You have your return of our boy Dan Aykroyd. He's in the It's a perfect ending. It's uh, so good. Yeah. So fucking good. He's in the ambulance. It's
1: exactly what I was wanting at the end. I was like, "Could I didn't remember how the original ended. felt like he's going to get into an ambulance thinking he's safe, and then the demon or the gremlin or whatever it's going to be like. On the side of the yeah. ambulance, you'll see it out the window, but instead it's fucking accurate at the wheel. <laughs> and he's like, You want to see something scary? And it's great. Just type it all together yeah. in a perfect loop. It's
0: beautiful. Actually, before yeah. we wrap this up, because we obviously are wrapping up here, this is the last segment, but I absolutely love before the epilogue happens, he's shot through the window. That's right, and he's on the wing. Oh, I forgot, forgot about that bit. About this bit. He, he, his face is like yeah, freezing. He's he, he steals the, the gun the from that security guard guy or whatever that
1: agent. Yeah, he's like a cop on board. Or yeah, whatever.
0: and he's like being held onto by someone. Maybe the guy that he stole the gun it's from, the pilot. or is it the pilot, the co-pilot? Yeah, it's the pilot. And he's yeah. fucking like got his gun and he's shooting at this fucking gremlin. No one fucking yeah. sees it. And he's just blasting at this fucking thing. Shooting at nothing. Yeah, and yeah. then he's just like staring at it as it's just like, I could kill you right now. I could take down this plane, but I see that this plane's about to land. And he's like, nah. And he just yeah. floats off. He just flies off. and I- <laughs> He
1: like does like a rolling thunder
0: into <laughs> yeah, the moon. It's, like- it's so fucking weird. <laughs> I just imagine him like, it would have been so great if he was just like, ah, <laughs> like, as
1: he did that. <laughs> i love he yeah. just wagged his finger and he's like i'm fucking out of here and oh brother it's
0: so weird no one's gonna it's, believe it's you it's like he bill married him
1: <laughs> <laughs> and john lithgow in this movie it for sure going to jail <laughs> jesus christ yeah he tried to like fucking bring down a plane yeah he like shot the window and then what looked like tried to destroy the other <laughs> engine Really weird. But
0: I love that they do address it because as the plane lands, all the guys as they're looking at it and they're taking all the people off. They're oh, just yeah. like what happened here? And they're looking and just shred it. The engines like are just completely yeah. shred it. But yeah, so good. Such a good segment. The epilogue's great. Overall, I feel like it really saves this film, uh, mm-hmm. you know, altogether. I think it's just, I think it's great. I love this film. I know there's a lot of problems with Obviously, the the big accident and stuff, and that's huge, and it really does put a damper and a stain on John Landis's career in a way, um, which sucks. Because like I do really love John Landis's films. I've I i do not know, there are problematic bits in some of them for sure, and
1: yeah, maybe that's th- Dan Aykroyd and yeah, Blackface. Yeah. yeah.
0: So <laughs> yeah, maybe it's good to like at this time where we're at to take a reflection on things that we like and
1: why their problems talk and about and it talk about yeah, it own up and, to it it's fine like yeah think, like just could things are outdated doesn't mean they don't have like merit and value mm-hmm. but that you have to talk about these yeah things.
0: <laughs> there's a big problem right now obviously with the blackface thing because it's happening a lot in the, in television shows and stuff and they're just like axing entire episodes and
1: i don't know yeah they did that with scrubs
0: yeah it's so weird like i i get it i get it the sentiment but at the same time i think you know they're just they're overreacting right now to something that's not the real problem. The real problem is that police are still killing black people. <laughs> and it's like for fuck's sake, man, they just yeah. don't want to die. You know? Yeah, I don't know. how about
1: that? How about that first? Yeah. And then you can deal with your fucking TV yeah. show.
0: Like arrest the cops who killed Brianna Taylor. Come on. Like
1: Now would be a good time to arrest those cops yeah. any day and now. And that's
0: not like even me trying to jump on this fucking like I don't know, because it's bad because you can say something funny and then just like say that. It's like a meme thing that's happened a lot on Twitter. You see a lot of people doing it. But at the same time, fuck it. I mean, arrest them. Why aren't they being arrested? <laughs> I don't get it. It's, no, I don't get yeah, it. exactly. This is like
1: yeah. what a basic fucking freedom and basic equality. Yeah. what we all need, and it's just ridiculous. It's something people still have to fight for obviously
0: these like i said i mean if you want to go back to the entertainment side of things things that are problematic and stuff like yes we should
1: address it talk about it you know we talked we chose the wrong life and the wrong career path if we didn't want to talk about problematic <laughs> yeah, things exactly. we chose to do a podcast about moving yeah,
0: they're very <laughs> problematic um but yeah i mean full of problematic. i don't know this this film i i, I like it all altogether though like i know that's you know that tragedy is fucking horrible reading it was actually really like reading about it and talking about it on this podcast was actually a lot harder than i thought it would be like obviously because i mean a lot of the times you can think about things and you can remove yourself from big incidents and stuff because it's been so long and that's just how humans are you just like you can talk about things that are really bad but then i don't know you sit on it a little while and it's just like feels very real and horrible i don't know so yeah it sucks because those kids, you know, they were so young. But anyway, the film it was released in June of 1983 to mixed reviews. Obviously, the many reviewers reviewed the segments individually, so like, you know, mm. Landis's segment was marred alongside the whole film frankly because of the, the you know, this accident and it also made Spielberg phone his bid in. So I mean, those two are always seen as the weaker segments, but Joe Dante's and and uh, George Miller's segments are heralded as being like the better two segments of the film. I think a lot of people did really like the, you know, the prologue and the epilogue as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's funny they actually adapted this to a book, like a novelization, <laughs> and Robert Block, who is known for doing like the Psycho book and stuff uh, and, and all that, so he he was tasked with doing this and. He was faced with the problem that you had know, a couple of problems for one, that the stories play out in a different you know sequence in the novel than they do in what he was looking at, which was the script. <laughs> so like I said, Great. some of these segments were different, and also no one ever told him about the prologue and or the epilogue. <laughs> so those don't exist in his novel, so it's just okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. poor guy
1: and a hard job yeah
0: anyway the film would go on to gross 42 million dollars worldwide on a 10 million dollar budget sounds like a lot but at the same time it wasn't like an enormous hit that you know they were expecting so basically studios weren't really happy about the whole thing um you know spielberg obviously had a proven track record john landis as well you know joe dante was just proving himself and george miller obviously was probably I guess breaking through as well a bit I mean he was still pretty cult, but you know it's it's yeah it's weird, so yeah this it didn't stir up a lot of uh happy feelings and everything just because of the tragedy and everything, but it weirdly did stir up enough interest to revive the series that happened a couple of years later in the eighties, so I don't know this film I think it sits sort of in a cult sort of status now, like where it yeah. wasn't a big hit, but I think people do enjoy it. I, I don't know. I'm interested in seeing what other people think about this film. I know like I always really loved it. And I know like my, my dad showed it to me when I was a kid and he loved it. And my, my sister loved it. And I don't know. I had, you know, some friends and stuff that I know enjoy it, but like, I don't know. I don't know where it sits in people's minds out there. I'd love to, I don't know what the hear.
1: conversation is around. Mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, I mean, but that's the biggest takeaway. Like, uh, you saying it did well enough to, and in, like, inspire a revival of the series. Yeah. That's kind of what it did. Like for me, in terms of like, like I said, it's my first real exposure to Twilight Zone and watching it. Um, I was like, this is really cool. Actually, like, I like the idea of the story and I like how they're done. I would like, like now, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go watch the old Twilight show and then I'm gonna see. I'll try the new series now yeah. as well wondering like how you would modernize it could now people are obsessed with shows like black mirror, not realizing mm-hmm. that they're yeah. Twilight Zone did that like for like 30 years yeah. ago with, yeah, like, yeah. with, 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 you know, deeper themes behind it. But I I don't, yeah, I don't know what the conversation like online around it. And I've never really talked to anyone about it. Cause I'm, I had never seen it. Um, I'm glad you introduced me to it. Cause I actually had a really fucking good time watching yeah. it. Like I was surprised, like, it's hit and miss, sure, mm-hmm. but it's such a fun ride yeah. and it's such a weird way to watch a movie and the last like, two, three segments are really enjoyable so at least you end on a high. Yeah. I wish it would tie... Yeah, you were saying their original idea was to tie them all together. I wish there was more of yeah. that. I like the prologue and epilogue. They're really funny and they tie the movie really nicely. It'd be nice if there was more stuff like that throughout so it creates some... A reason for being a movie, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like connect all these stories together. Why these for her or whatever, um, but yeah, I I enjoyed it. I'm yeah, I'm interested in what other people think of it, especially now. And but that everything I just said in me, very like removed from the story and the accident and the situation, which is horrible. Um, but you should know about, yeah, it, and you should let it influence the way you watch it and see how you come out on the other end. Yeah, way.
0: I mean. If you want to take away anything from that accident, which is like, it shouldn't have happened. It was horrible, absolutely horrible, and it could have been avoided. But yeah. like, at least now, there that caused that ruffled a lot of fucking feathers and it caused a big change in how Hollywood, you know, looked at the way children's, you know, actors is. It got a lot more, you know, strict about that. And it also, like Spielberg was calling for directors to not have as much control over things. And we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, where I believe maybe even the Jaws episode as well, like where, you know, it sucks when, you know, young directors or directors in general get, you know, controlled by studios. But you do need a little bit there to, someone there to kind of like check. <laughs> you can make do sure this. Yeah. you can't do this and that's good
1: that a balance you need yeah. a balance
0: and uh yeah and also it just made things a little bit safer um for like you said there are still a lot of accidents and stuff but st- statistically after this film and after that big accident way it, better. it got way better and it was far far less you know deaths mm. that occurred on set um
1: of course yeah. so yeah
0: i mean i don't know it's tough like we've done this before talking about things like this like with the crow episode you know it's it's like it gets really dark a hard right? one. it's hard but yeah I don't know I think overall this film's good um it's fun I love it's I love anthology films like uh, I've said earlier I mean it's just it's just fun it's a fun way like yeah I mean I kind of agree maybe it would be a little bit better if they were able to tie things together better um, if that accident didn't happen, that like you know maybe they would have been more into it and stuff. But I've got a couple of the episodes of uh, the tw- the new Twilight Zone that I want to watch, so I I want to check those out and because I haven't watched it yet either. So I'm like keen, I'm interested. He's already released a second series that came out a couple of months ago. Uh, I'm so, glad
1: uh, it's back yeah. because like the '60s show and even the movie was uh, like a safe place for up and coming yeah, director to try definitely. out stuff um and yeah you did, like it's nice to bring that back there's still not that area to do that even like like i said something like black mirror you get really famous people to come on and direct yeah, episode and that's why people watch them. um but yeah no it's cool this is a great intro into that world i think yeah definitely in it just into the idea
0: yeah and i think like someone like uh jordan pill is like absolutely perfect you know to Perfect to to be spearheading us. He's directing some of the most interesting horror films like uh, out there right now, and he's attached to like you know the new Candyman film. Like I, I normally <laughs> yeah, would be yeah. a bit wary of that sort of thing, but I mean the things that like Blumhouse and Jordan Pill are attached been to and doing good. a lot of good stuff. I mean even the yeah. m- you know the Halloween you know sort of revival is decent. It's not I bad. Really, I really like.
1: Yeah, I like really the yeah, uh, too. And,
0: yeah, I mean, like you said young directors and stuff or, you know, maybe some overlooked directors like, you know, Jordan Pill. two episodes, he's had Anna uh Lily Amipur, like who's a British yeah, yeah. female like uh Iranian, you know, English born Iranian American director. So I mean, she's, she's got a lot going on there, but like she's awesome directed like you uh, know, A Girl Walks Home uh, Walks Home Alone <laughs> at Night, which is like a really yeah, yeah. sick vampire film <laughs> like we showed it, it in the is. cinema. It's so fucking good. I, I mean, it's like a skateboarding vampire. Sick. How could you not like that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everything I like.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It's I'm, I'm interested. It's good to see things like this, like still alive and, you know, kind of playing off of like the old series. Like I think at the moment, I'm not really sure, but I feel like the only thing that's really been, um, redone is nightmare and 20,000 feet. I think it's actually called nightmare at 30,000 feet in this episode. Uh, but it's, <laughs> I think it is told slightly different. So there's some, there's some differences, but like, still it's great. I love these sort of things. I mean, I grew up on like Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark and stuff. And I was conditioned yeah, to yeah, enjoy this style of show, you know. And
1: Do you ever watch Goosebumps, the show? Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: The old school.
1: It was like Twilight Zone yeah, for definitely. kids. Yeah. It's amazing. And every episode, the twist was like, they're on another <laughs> yeah. planet. It was so strange. The haunted it was, mask so funny. was
0: so fucking good. Plus the books yeah, yeah. were brilliant. The books were so good. I love the book. I mean, like that's yeah. why Black Mirror. I feel like is so popular is because a lot of people who are like our age and stuff grew up on Goosebumps and they would have read Goosebumps books. And then you get like Bandersnatch, Pick, choose your own adventure, like In-
1: interactive Goosebumps. Yeah,
0: like R.L. Stein made so many of those. It was all. It was always really great. So yeah. But anyway, cool. That's uh, Twilight Zone, the movie. Uh, <laughs> chill, sort of chill episode this week. <laughs> Phil, uh, sort of, Phil, what do you got going on, man? What are you doing this week?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one day, one of the days, I'm gonna have an answer. Yeah, nothing, I'm games. just playing video games. I'm gonna try and beat the lot of us. I'm like 20 hours and then I think I'm nearly done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that all right, says it all. okay. I am teaching boy how to lay down. Oh,
0: nice. Dog training. That's
1: go. my big, that's, that's my task. I started yesterday and he kind of got cool. it, but not consistently. Cause he can sit and he can give pause, nice. but he needs to lie down. And also I want him to start listening to me outside of the house, <laughs> which he never does. <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, um, yeah. So that's it. Those are, those are the goals. <laughs> this week what What about you we
0: well, I'm funny enough trying to train my cat to listen to me at all period <laughs> you know, like, yeah no uh i'm i don't know i don't i don't know what i'm doing i've hit a i've hit a wall lately of uh the existential dread and i'm trying to come find out my, of it i'm trying to find my way out of it i'm i feel like this film i didn't say this because it's cliche as fuck is uh it's the world now we're the twilight zone everything's a twilight zone um so yeah i'm trying to get a little bit better but you know i don't know i don't know what i'm doing with my life anymore it's kind of fun it's kind of <laughs> interesting it's a fun kind of fraying. it's a new new fun thing i'm i'm 19 all over again um <laughs> where i'm out of high school and i don't know what i'm doing with myself oh my god uh, yeah <laughs> oh my god it's good to go back to being at the, the worst part of my life uh,
1: <laughs> so, yeah. i mean yeah i like and if you if you've listened this far and you like if you're feeling like us it's a good movie to throw on yeah like honestly i kicked back with a beer yesterday and just watched it and it was super really fun. good yeah it was super fun and i was like just out of my head for yeah an hour and a half or whatever.
0: Well, that's what's great about this podcast and it's also what's great about having more than just this podcast to do because we're also doing our bonus episodes over Patreon. Ooh, nice segue. Because over at patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast for all all the people who back us for $5 or more a month. You know, you can back us for whatever you want to back us for. If you want to back us, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that. We have all sorts of tiers. But if you want to anything $5 and up, you get bonus episodes uh, myself and Ariane, the former co-host of this podcast we are doing a Fast and the Furious uh, series we've already done the first two films coming up very very soon we're gonna drop Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift
1: the third best film best one Tokyo <laughs> Drift <laughs> gonna drift all that's, over uh, the place that's the nickname uh, my, me and my family have with one of our continents who's just like a really dangerous driver <laughs> <laughs> and Tokyo everybody calls him Tokyo Drift <laughs> <laughs>
0: So yeah, we're going to do that. Myself and Ariane actually just released uh, tra- Trainwreck. You know, I think... Yeah, I don't know. you're
1: starting like a new series.
0: Yeah, we got two series going on right now. So we're doing Fast and Furious. We're doing all those films. And then also we started... I don't know how long it'll last. Uh, and also there might be some episodes in between. So who knows? We'll see what happens. But pro wrestlers who have dipped their toes into films. So we'll see what yeah. happens. But yeah, we did Trainwreck with Amy Schumer and John Cena. Uh, so, yeah. large po- parts of that episode are silent you know so you know <laughs> no but uh yeah so if you want to support us head over to patreon.com forward slash the pcc podcast and as always you can find us at the pcc podcast on twitter and instagram or you can pop us an email at podcast at and you can find me at tall for all T-A-L-L the number for A-L-L on Twitter Instagram and Facebook where can they find you Phil? uh
1: at far away Chad on Twitter and in real life at dogs I met um on Instagram if you want to look at pictures of my dog boy um <laughs> learning and learning le- learning badly <laughs> um he's so stupid he's such oh. a dumb dog I love him to bits but my god it's just like you know he looks up at you and you can see like the cogs turning <laughs> and his eyes are so like desperately like what do you want from me like he can't figure it out um so yeah you know I'll, I'll keep everyone updated <laughs> <laughs> nice um but yeah that's it that's it from for me um I hope everyone enjoyed uh you know journey into the twilight yeah. through the scary door
0: yeah I'm through that scary door hopefully I find myself out of the scary door very soon yeah. anyway <laughs> enough of that noise oh looks like my wife has uh, stopped using Spotify how about some more music
1: Yeah, oh, yeah man that's it I love Creedence so yeah that was a pretty spooky episode eh yeah man had some uh, pretty scary stuff I didn't know about
0: do you want to hear something even scarier? Uh, one of Rod Serling's, you know, the creator of The Twilight Zone's last role, was an unaccredited narration in Phantom of the Paradise by Brian De Palma.
1: <laughs> there is a fifth dimension